Let's quickly pray. This opportunity to just prepare our hearts. Jesus, we just thank you that we can be in your presence like this. And um, this morning, we not only want to hear your word, we want it to be planted in our hearts. And we also want to encounter you. We want to, um, this to be a relationship um, with you, not just to be um, something that we practice, but we want this to be real. Jesus, we want you to move into our life and, and be the Lord of our life. So this morning, we open up our hearts to everything you wanna do. We submit to you now, God. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. Pray to protect around us and our children. We pray that in this place, you do miracles. And if there's anyone in this place without hope, pray God that you knock on the door of their hearts, you draw them unto yourself so they can receive you as their savior in Jesus' name. Remember, I believe it said, amen. Awesome, you guys can take your seats. Good morning to everyone, especially first-time guests. We're so happy that you're with us. Trust that you get connected. Uh, this Tuesday, I'd love to connect with you at Growth Track. And for anyone who hasn't taken the Growth Track step, I encourage you to join us. Uh, we believe it's gonna be an awesome time. And then next week, we're starting a brand new series around God's Word and just applying God's Word. And, and um, lots of research has been done. And one of the organizations that did research a few years back in Chicago was Reveal. And they looked at people's spiritual journey where they grow and one of the, what are the key factors to people getting healthy and really reaching their destiny. And the number one thing that topped Everything else was a personal devotional life, time with Jesus and in His Word. And so for the next four weeks, from next week, we're gonna be teaching you how to get into God's Word. We're gonna encourage you, we're gonna give you, encourage you to join a group for four weeks, okay? Do a 30-day devotional with us. Uh, the devotional will also teach you how to apply God's Word so that you're not only reading it, taking it in, but you're also understanding context and that. And then we'll make available a resource to you that gives you 12 ways to study God's Word, just 12 practices. So don't miss out. This is a key way to grow. And studies over and over have proven that this is the one thing as you do, one thing Christians do that really helps them get spiritually mature. So please don't miss out next week. And you might have had a friend who's come to church and, and really just drifted and maybe even had questions. How do I really get close to God, grow in relationship with God? I encourage you to join, encourage them to come to the series. I've no doubt they'll be blessed. And then tonight, we're ending our fast week. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting beginning of the year in January. And then we do seven days uh, sort of mid-year after school holidays. And, and so we do this by faith. We don't throw away our confidence. We believe that God richly rewards our confidence. So we, we've pursued God. We've, we've really set aside time. We set aside food, some of us, like Leanne said, social media. But we've asked God to fill us up and uh, like Jacob, after his dream in the Old Testament where he said, God is in this place, he anoints this rock. He says, God's in this place, he calls it Bethel. And, and for us, we know God's spirit isn't there. God's spirit now lives in us because of what Jesus did. And we can, after being filled up, uh, we having an anointing service tonight uh, where we're gonna be anointing people and, and really celebrating uh, what we believe is gonna be a great season ahead after prayer and fasting. So even if you didn't join us on that, why don't you come tonight and experience the encounter service celebration. Uh, for people who fasted, we're gonna use some, we're selling burgers and burros rolls and we're gonna use some of the oil that we made, the burgers. What do you guys think? And just anoint them with that just for what's to come, like a taste, foretaste. No, yes, beautiful. Guys, I thank you, Jesus. I mean, we're not gonna do that, but... I thought that we can do that. What do you guys think? Hey? That would be awesome. 
So, um, but I encourage you to join us tonight, six o'clock. It's gonna be an awesome celebration. But um, today I'm just gonna speak about um, close encounters. Okay, and um, if you look at Close Encounters and you go look online, of course, you're gonna pick up a lot of people uh, who are gonna write about UFOs. And, and the one thing about their Close Encounter is it was theirs, and you can't argue them out of it. Hey, you can't. Um, has anyone seen um, Elon Musk's um, satellites in the sky ever? Hey, um, anyone seen those? No, I saw them the one day. The, how many are there? Like, five or six that go and they just move. It actually looks incredible, um, nobody else. But so I've had a close encounter. <laughs> um, but, but one of the things um, about a close encounter is that, that once you have it, uh, there's no argument that can get you away from it. And that's what they say when you sit with people that have close encounters. And you know, it's the same thing with you and me when it comes to Jesus. You and I all need a close encounter. Because that's what Jesus invites us to. Our faith isn't about winning an argument. It's not about a competition with other religions. It's all about a person named Jesus who wants to have a close encounter with you. When you do have a close encounter with Jesus, you end up experiencing his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and maybe what you've been uncertain about in how to approach God, He shows you in those moments that it's not about what you've done, it's all about what He did on the cross. That He actually removed the stone. That He paid the price for your sin. And that He conquered the grave. And maybe you trying to get over your sin or trying to remove something that's in the way and you'll see there are many people who tried it, but they all failed. But only Jesus got it right. And in that close encounter, you see that he's a loving savior and there's nothing you can do um, when it comes to um, your salvation. You can't earn it, but you can receive it. Yes, the scripture says the wages of sin is death, but then it goes and say, but the gift of God is eternal life. And how do you, partake in a gift, you can only receive it. You can't earn it. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. That's a picture in the Bible of how God wants to speak to us. And scripture, of course, points out that Jesus has made things known to us that as friends in a way, we don't play down his role, that he's our Lord and our Savior. But when we see that he's let us know what's coming, that he's already paid the price for our sin, that one day he'll return for us, we go, wow, thank you, Jesus, for letting me know this. Because in these times of trouble, I know that you've overcome. In these times of trouble and uncertainty, I still have something that's certain. What's that? That you paid the price for my sin, that you've won the victory, and one day I'll go forever, be forever with you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this for me. And you can have these moments where he gives you that peace he wants to, um, from that face-to-face encounter. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18 says, whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. And that's actually speaking, that scripture would be speaking about us. 
as we turn to God. And you can turn to God. Scripture says, as you come close to God, He then promises to come close to you. As you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And you and I, in this week, a lot of people have drawn near to God. And even if you haven't, you can come tonight and have another encounter, but you can even do it tomorrow morning in your room, in your car, in traffic. You can say, God, I love you. I want more of you. And in that moment, He'll draw near to you. What's, what, what He says there is not only do you, do you go face to face God, but He removes the veil. And throughout the Old Testament, there are people who are veiled. Um, what va- what the veil was put there by um, just focusing on the law. Of course, the law was there in the Old Testament to make people totally aware that they need a Savior. So in Christ, the law has been fulfilled. We're not throwing the law away. But the purpose of the law is to show us that we can never get to Christ by our works. We can never be saved and no sacrifice of a lamb that we make can ever cover our sins fully. But it should always point to our Savior. In the Old Testament, if you read it without a veil in a way, you actually see it points to Christ. All the prophecies, it's always leading towards Christ. But this scripture says, when we come to Christ face to face, Jesus removes the veil. But there are still people living with a veil. It goes on to say, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence. So you see their personal presence. Not a piece of chiseled stone. And the chiseled stone was the Ten Commandments. Not just a rule book to live by, but a person to relate to. A personal savior. Church isn't just a set of rules or a practice. It's not just about coming on Sundays, but hey, it's good. Yes, you don't need to come to church to be saved, but try staying away from your house long enough and see that what that does to your marriage. Church is God's house. It does really add major value to your relationship with God. But, but you know what? Even if you sleep in your garage, you guys know it, you don't become a car Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. It is all about a personal relationship with Jesus, getting close to Him. So we see that He's a personal God. And it goes to say, when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of His face. And so we're transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like Him. So in Christ, our position is actually truly glorious. In our works, our life's like filthy rags. Look here what I did for you, God. Can I come closer to you? Well, there's nothing you can do to get closer to God in the means of by your works. The best thing we can do is be humble and surrender and say, I can't do this. Will you save me, Jesus? And that's the most glorious place we can ever be in. It's it's a place of humility. And and we see that knowledge puffs up and and a lot of people who just face, do life by rules can become very prideful. So you know what I've done? I'm not saying we abuse God's grace, but when you're in a relationship with God, it should actually make us people who are humble 
who remember what we, that Jesus forgave us, we don't deserve this, and that, that he made a way for us to come close to him. And, and we should be the most free people because now our joy is to serve him. See, God's plan for your life is not for you to obey because of an external code, but because of an eternal change. His desire is not that you wake up and say, I have to serve God. His desire is to have a personal relationship with you and you say, I want to serve God. I've met the Savior of the world. I've come close to Him. He's awesome and I love Him and, and He died for my sins. And, and like the answer is, He's given me everything. I love you, God. I never wanna be away from your presence. And I don't wanna do things that disconnect me from you. Everything I do, I'd want you to be part of. I wouldn't want to live a life that you can't be part of because you have done everything to allow me to come into your presence. So, so once we turn to God, He removes the obstacles, He removes the veil, and you and I can come close to God and we can spend time with Him. We need it. We need time with God. You and I need, we need power, not just words. Another way of saying it, you and I need power, not just arguments. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that, you, that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Our world doesn't need our wisdom and our intellect. And I'm not saying now don't go study, go to school, work hard. Do those things. But the best thing for you is God's power. The best thing we bring to our world is God's power. So how do we get God's power? Well, we need an encounter, not just an explanation. There's something powerful about encountering God. And John 9, 17 says, finally they turned again to the blind man and then um, what have you to say about him? They're saying this man who, who, who helped you, they talked to this guy who was blind. They said, what do you have to say about Jesus? And he, he says this. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. So he had an encounter with God and he had, it led to a powerful testimony. And the power on our life, the power part of the message we carry is not the explanation, but the simple testimony of telling people where you used to be and where you are now in Christ. Where you used to be without Christ, a lot of us are worried that somehow we don't know enough and, 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 and we, we won't know how to win an argument about Christ, but our job is not to win arguments. It's about sharing the power of God's work in your life. And for me, every time I've turned to God, even this week, I feel like the veil's been removed even more. If there were things that I hadn't known yet, and, and mysteries have been uncovered and I've got to know God in a greater way. And, and, and that's, what's the, that's what's so powerful is that you and I can get closer and closer to God. I think if we get caught up in arguments and explanations, 
Then Facebook's our friend, <laughs> our best friend. Come on, it's a good place. We just argue it out and we tune people. Yeah, well, you know what the word says. And I agree the word does say that, but that's not really gonna help anyone. They need a testimony. Give them your testimony and leave it there. Don't get into arguments. Jesus didn't come to win arguments. He came to win lost people. Lost people are won by the goodness of God and the power of our testimony. And so I wanna encourage you that as we get close to Jesus, you'll experience his power and you can carry it into your world. We also need presence, not just practice. Romans 8 verse 11. Sorry, my device just jumped here. Romans 8 verse 11 says, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as, uh, will be as alive as Christ. And death couldn't hold Christ's body down. And, and so all of a sudden, um, there are gonna be moments that you can't explain in life, but if you are with Him, you can get through those things. And that's why you and I need His presence more than just practice, but practice helps. We, Leanne and I, we fast twice a year and we invite the church in the journey. It's a healthy practice because the practice, the, the reason we do that is to get into His presence, to experience His power. Leanne and I put God first in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Every month in our finance, every morning, He's mercy you every morning, um, every year through fasting. Th those practices are to pursue Him, to be close to Him, to honor Him, to put Him first, to make Him the Lord of our life. So, so the practice is good, but, but the, the practice is, is there because our priority is His presence. It's not just to do, go through getting to a religious act and, and, and liturgy and, and we're doing it because we want Him, because He's a personal God, because our faith is in Him and, and we trust Him. You know what's crazy is Joseph's life went crazy and I mentioned you two weeks back where you know he, he, his brothers sell him into slavery and he goes to jail, but the key factor is it says, and God was with him. And you might be going through things you can't explain that you don't deserve, but if you can get into his presence, I believe God will still do miracles. And maybe God hasn't answered your question that you're asking right now, but he will invite you into his presence. Because in his presence, he can do more than you can with an explanation. And yes, I believe God will reveal things to you in the proper time, and maybe in heaven you'll understand it. But our main focus should be His presence. In the Bible, there's a gentleman who had an encounter, and tonight, of course, I'm gonna use some of his story, but the, the front end of it is uh, where he encounters God personally, and he wrestles with God. The man's name's Jacob, and, and it's a, it's a, you would have known, maybe you know from Bible stories, Jacob and Esau. 
where, where Esau um, is uh, in line for the, the birthright. He's first born, his brother tricks him out of his birthright, Jacob, um, in his hunger, offering him a bowl of uh, soup. And he says, if, if you can have the soup, if you give me your birthright. And his brother goes, well, if I'm gonna die of hunger, what's the point of a birthright? And in his foolishness, he gives up his birthright. And Jacob um, then tricks his father as well, because his brother's released it to pray, to, to release the birthright over him. And he ends up deceiving his brother and his father. And the name Jacob is, means deceiver. So you got this man who's on the run and he's been living this life trying to make his own way, believing that if he got the birthright, his life would be blessed. And he realizes even though he's got riches and he's got inheritance, it meant nothing. But then he ends up by the grace of God having an encounter with God. And it says this, um, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. This is Genesis 32 verse 24. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then he said to him, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spent. He wrestled his brother in a way. Yes, soup. No, get, get that. Yes, soup to get a birthright. He tricked his father, but his brother was a hairy dude. He was not. So he put like animal hair and his father touched it. That's next level hairy, anyway. Um, and he said, your prayer, it's, it's Esau. And so he'd, he'd wrestled and he pursued breakthrough from his brother's birthright and from his dad, and it didn't give him what he was looking for. I don't know if you've won arguments and you thought, I feel empty. Maybe you got that thing you were looking for and it hasn't led to what you really want. And then all of a sudden, by the grace of God, Jacob has an opportunity to connect with God. And he, of course, wrestles with him. God ends up touching his hip. And then he doesn't let go. And then God blesses him. When you and I encounter God, one thing that will happen is you'll get new strength. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. He'd hoped in um, getting that birthright that something would happen. He hoped in tricking his father. But then he finally hoped in the Lord. And that's where he truly got blessed. He, he pursued God. He wouldn't let go. And he said, I've chased after all these things and I've been running because I've lied. It's the end. I want you, God. And guess what? God blesses him, renews his strength and does a new work in him. Those who hope 
in the Lord will renew their strength. You and I need to put our hope in Him. We need to get close to Him. We need to have an encounter with Him. It's like when God touched his hip, it's like pointed out that he's a man and he's weak and in his manly strength, he got quite a few things across the line. And in that space, he went, no, even though this is painful, you are still the only one who can bless me. And my strength hasn't really got me where I needed to go. I need you. I give up, God, on trying to get through life in my own strength. I give up on trying to make my own way to God. I need you, God. Will you bless me? I don't know what you've been trying to do in your own strength, and I commend you for working hard in that, but it's only God who can give you the breakthrough you need. God can give you the wisdom for your children. God can give you the breakthrough for your relationships because He's an awesome Father and He loves you. And in a place where you let Him forgive you of your sins, you're in the most glorious place you could ever be in. If you let Him touch your life and, and you pursue Him, you're in the most glorious place you could ever be in. And you'll realize you don't always need to know what's happening. You just need His presence. Moses says, God... You said you'd be with me, but if you won't go with me to the promised land, don't send me there. He realized his presence was greater than a promise. I'd rather be in a desert in your presence than in the promise without it. But I believe you can have both in Jesus' name. Where you're in his presence and he leads you into the promises that he has for you. Number two, he gets a new identity. The Lord changed his name. And in a place of encounter, in a place of intimacy with God, God will change you. He'll transform you. He'll remove the veil and they'll be brighter and brighter. And you won't, you, the things that were a mystery won't be a mystery anymore. And, and, and He'll do a work inside of you. Yes, you do become like the people you spend time with. Where we say, look at your five closest friends. And it's a picture of your future. If you don't like what's happening in their life, get out of those relationships. But the most important relationship that, uh, where you should be intimate is one with Jesus. You do become like the person you spend time with. Spend time with Jesus. Be transformed into His likeness. Let Him change you. See, Jacob represented the deception. It represented his past. It represented his own fight to make it in life. It represented him trying to make a way for himself. And God says, you'll be Israel. No longer will you be a deceiver. You'll be a man of God. You'll find your grace in me. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll be your provider. I'll be your Lord. That new identity represents your identity is now in Christ. You're a child of God. The old is gone and the new has come. And no longer do you try to pay for your sins. I've paid for your sins. I'm the one who's paid for your life. In a way, now I'm the Lord of your life. And he, He's a good Saviour. He's the best one to be Lord. So when you feel shaken and things happen in your life, you remind yourself, but I'm a child of God. My identity is in Christ. He'll never leave, leave me nor forsake me. He's my very present help in times of trouble. Isaiah 43 verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing now. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and the streams in the wasteland. Those places did not have streams and that desert did not have a way. But God makes the way. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life. 
And then there's a new joy in that encounter. Psalm 16 verse 11, you made known to me the path of life. You fill me with, with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. And of course we know the joy of the Lord is your strength in His presence. So of course, like I said in the front end, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, he says, whenever though they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil. There they are face to face. Of course, repentance, the word repent actually means to change your mind. Because as you think, so are you. And a lot of people try to change their actions and think it'll change their mind, but it's changing your mind about things that are actually in the way of your relationship with God. It's changing your mind about who God actually is. And, and in that space, you end up going, God, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord. I wanna live for you. And, and it's like you're turning, so, so you're going your own way. And then you say, God, you are the King. And it's like you face to face. You're walking this way, and he, God, you are the Savior. God, I'm gonna trick everyone in life. No, no, God, you're the only way. I don't know if you're in that place this morning where you sense that you need to just turn around. Maybe you used to be face to face with Him or following Him, and you've drifted, you're trying to make your own way, you, you're trying to forgive people who've hurt you in your own strength, you're trying to overcome offense in your own strength, maybe somebody's hurt you, you didn't deserve it and you're trying to overcome it in your own strength, maybe there's been trauma or pain, maybe you're just trying to pay for your own sins in your own strength, you're trying to be religious and go, if I do these things then I'm a good person. And yes, some of those things are healthy, but we're only saved by the grace of God. Maybe this morning you need a turn for some come back to God. Others for the first time, change your mind. Actually, He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the only one who can pay the price for my sin. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you're turning, saying, Jesus, I want to declare, Scripture says, if we confess that He's the Son of God, it's this declaration and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, it's this power declaration, then we'll be saved. And it says, those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you, I want to have the privilege of leading you in a prayer. Do you want to close your eyes quickly? If you need to turn this morning and declare that, I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, Pop your hand and say, that's me, Andre. I actually need to pray this morning. Will you lead me in that prayer? Awesome. Anyone else? Say, that's me. I need to pray that prayer. God's speaking to me. I need to turn back to God. Anyone else? Just say, that's me. Awesome. God bless you. Anyone else? Just, I want to leave this moment without you taking the opportunity. Let's pray quickly.
And if you if you even put your hand up, let's pray as a church family. If you know you need to pray, mean it with all your heart. Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I call on your name this morning. Will you save me and be the Lord of my life? I'm turning to you so I can be face to face with you, so I can follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, just give Jesus praise in this place. So we've got some cards that you can use. You see, cover some of them on Next Steps cards, prayer cards. We had hundreds of cards filled out this week of prayer. If you want us to cover you in this following week in, to pray for you, don't wake up wondering what's gonna happen. Wake up knowing that we're covering in prayer. If it's a personal prayer request, you don't have to put your name down, just put your prayer request down. If you would like to join a view group for four weeks when we do the Word series, you can also write down there or go to our Next Steps area, the red banner, and say, I'd like to join a group to do the four weeks in the Word. Um, and then remember, don't miss next week, we start our Word series. Tonight's a celebration service. We're gonna be anointing people to declaring that God's Spirit's on them and praying for them for the next six months ahead, well, for the next five and a half months, but just a blessing over the rest of the year. Even if you haven't joined us in the fast journey, you can join us tonight. It's gonna be an awesome celebration. Um, but yeah, God bless you guys. Remember, first time guests, you can grab your, uh, your first free coffee at the, the red banner throughout the service. God bless you guys.